Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome, everybody, to my independence report. We have got a really cool um, discussion that we're going to have today with all of you. And it's very timely, and it's very uh, um, what's happening now in the world. And uh, I've got two great gentlemen uh, that they're kind of both on the opposite ends of the spectrum a little bit. Uh, my My first guest is Sylvester Boyd. He's an author. He's a high school teacher. He has a degree in history and geography. He's traveled the world. He's an actor. He's written two wonderful books with a third one that's going to be here in uh, um, in August. And uh, Sylvester, welcome to the show. How are you today, sir? I'm fine. How are you, Kevin? Awesome. Well, we had the opportunity to talk a little bit, and uh, we're going to get into that. I want to introduce the other gentleman that's going to be on the line, and that is uh, uh, Jordan Davis Miller. He is a young, aspiring thespian who's in school in uh, uh, Los Angeles, and he's been... um, awakened to what's happening in the world and he's been part of the protests that have been going on in the city of seattle uh jordan welcome to the show again thank you so much kevin it's, it's a pleasure to be back thank you uh you're welcome so and by the way uh jordan if you any questions that you have for sylvester uh f- feel free to just chime in at any point that you want to talk to him okay awesome awesome yeah so, so Sylvester, from your perspective, you're, you're like me, a little longer in the tooth, um, and you've been around a long time. Now, your life experience is completely different than mine because I'm a short, fat, white guy in Seattle, Washington, and you are in Chicago and in some hotbeds and some places. Tell us about you, you your growing up, and, and kind of give us a flavor of everything that you've been through. Well, basically, uh, I was born in Chicago, Illinois in 1943, which is uh, the middle of World War II. Uh, My folks, uh, I've had uh, the pleasure of living in all types of racial situations. Uh, The first elementary schools I went to were predominantly African-American. When I was 12 years old, we moved to 22nd and State here in Chicago. Uh, that's Chinatown, and it had a little bit of everyone. There was African Americans, there were Asians, there were Puerto Ricans, and there were Mexicans. So yeah, I always call it my little UN neighborhood. That was a public housing project. In 1958, my folks moved to Michigan, a little town called Allegan, Michigan. Uh, Southwest Michigan, uh, and that I uh, went to a one-room country schoolhouse, if you can believe that, for one year. Uh, the next year, I was transferred to this by school bus to the city uh, where I, where I attended Allegan High School all four years. It was ninety-five percent white. So, as you can see in my background, I've had the experience of living in all black situations, mixed situations, and all white situations predominantly. 
Uh, that's something that most people uh, will never have the pleasure of doing, living in all three situations. Uh, basically, I'm uh, trained in history and geography. I have a bachelor's degree in, 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 the, in history and geography. I have been fortunate enough to travel the world. Uh, I've been from Denmark to Honolulu, from Honolulu to Honduras, from Honduras to Canada, and a lot of places in between, most of the islands of the Caribbean. And I'm not going to sit here and list everywhere I've been to take the whole show up. <laughs> I, I, have, I have been a world traveler, per se. I've never been to Asia. That's probably the biggest block uh, that I haven't been to, the biggest country that I have not uh, been able to see. Uh, Basically, uh, I've been also uh, a school teacher. I taught as a, I'm not, right, you said I'm still a teacher, but uh, I, reti- I retired from that uh, about five. I only did it for five years and I haven't done it in five years. Uh, so I'm not currently teaching school, but I have taught on the south side of Chicago and some of the roughest gang infested neighborhoods in the city. Uh, I also worked for American Airlines. Uh, I was uh, a crew chief and, uh, well, I was hired as a fleet service clerk, which is the person and people who load aircraft. I was promoted after one year at American Airlines and was fortunate enough to be the third African-American crew chief at American Airlines. That entailed loading and balancing airplanes and pushing them out into the runway, uh, out onto the ramp so they can turn and hit for their destination. In um, that job, I met a whole host of uh, wonderful people. Uh, it's the world, one of the world's busiest crossroads. It is one of the busiest airports in the world. And you see a little bit of everybody, from the richest to the poorest. Uh, I had a hot dog with Muhammad Ali. I uh, have saw a lot of the major actors that of the time, James Brown, Bob Hope when he was living, uh, just a whole slew of who's who of, of America. And uh, it was a very interesting job. And in that job, of course, I got a free flight, uh, which is a, a great benefit to have. And, and at this age, I started there when I was 23 years old, a number of years ago. So at a young age, I was able to be exposed to a lot of the world. Uh, and I could fly free. So therefore, I was able to go places that I could not have otherwise afford. Uh, I moved to Michigan. Let me just go back a little bit. I'm going to redress a little bit. Uh, I was able to see the difference when I moved from Chicago's housing project to Michigan, a one-room schoolhouse, I was able to see the difference in the educational system that was afforded to whites versus what I had in Chicago. So that was one of my first awakenings to the big racial differences uh, and how uh, education is not afforded to minorities as and uh, as much in the same way as it is to the majority of white society. How did that make you feel? Well, you know, being young, I was, you know, and here's the thing that I found very unique, and I tell my wife all the time, she's from the same area. But to to me, I went to four years of high school. My classmates are the greatest classmates one could ever have. 
I never heard derogatory terms. Uh, I was on the uh, cross country team. I managed the basketball team. Uh, I ran track. Uh, and hey, it was just a great four years of high school. And, uh, you know, that lets me know that people can live together uh, without uh, the racial influences. Now, if any of my friends had any other ideas, I never heard it. And so I will always say that uh, it was a great four years and it was void of any racial dynamic that was I was exposed to. Uh, my mother was very stern and we were taught that education is the key to the door. Without education, you can't open the door. So, you know, that was taught in my family. I have a a nephew right now who is a uh, has a PhD in biochemistry and he works for the United States government out of Washington D.C. Uh, one of my brothers just retired as the principal of an elementary school in that little town in Allegan, Michigan. Uh, I have my sister also was a principal in uh, Holland, Michigan for a number of years. Uh, now I can go on to I got another nephew who speaks uh, six languages, including Farsi's. Uh, so my my family background has been that my my folks pushed us to 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 excel, and we were taught that there's nothing anyone else that has ever done that you can't do. So that was my background, and fortunately, I had the parents I had. Although my the, my mother was born in Money, Mississippi, my aunt, who I wrote the book, was based on. She was born in Money, Mississippi, and if you know anything about uh, Money, Mississippi, a lot of people do, a lot of people don't. Uh, it was the town that Emmett Till was killed in, in 1955. And uh, that started the civil rights movement in the United States. What was it like growing up in when you were a kid in Chicago? And and you were in uh, Chicago's a pretty tough town. What was it like for an African American youngster growing up in that town? Well, it it was well, it was like a different time. I was raised basically by a community. You know, I had if I didn't like my what my aunt said to me, I went to my mom. If I didn't like what my mom said, my grand went to my grandmother. Uh, my uncles, or I had just a, a whole host of folks that sheltered me and taught me right from wrong. I had to go to Sunday school every Sunday, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I was always, I always had what was necessary for me to be me. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of people, uh, a lot of kids that I know didn't have that and they went down the wrong path. Uh, basically, you you have to have an example in front of you of what's right and wrong, and you have to have people who are in your corner, so to speak. And back in those days, the whole neighborhood took care of you, not just one uh, family member, not just a one little core group of people. The neighbors were instrumental in, in, in uh, my background, just like my uh, mother or my stepfather or any other family member, cousins. It was just an extended family back in those days. And in that day and time in Chicago, it was not integrated. It was segregated. And, and uh, so you lived on the street with the police officer or you lived on the street with the postman or you lived on the street with the milkman or the grocer. You, everyone knew everybody. 
segre- segregation was enforced pretty much. You went downtown. I do live downtown now, uh, but back in that day, there were there were no blacks living anywhere near and could not even dream of living where I live today. Uh, so that gives you a little bit of uh, integration. Actually, in some instances, actually hurt uh, the black community because they were more economically sound as a community before they integrated, and the, the wealthier blacks uh, people moved to other areas uh, that were more conducive to their lifestyle. Now, when you were a youngster. Uh, where you lived, uh, did they have, and I know they, in money, uh, uh, Mississippi, I'm sure that they did, they had uh, uh, black uh, only or white only uh, fountains or bathrooms or you couldn't go to eat certain places and you couldn't sit at the counter and you had to sit at the back of the bus. Was that prevalent in Chicago as well as in the South? Well, I never, you know, I want to make sure you understand. I was born in Cook County, household of Chicago. Uh, so, uh, my, uh, my mother came to Chicago in 1937. I was born in 1943. Uh, so, you know, that I, I only have what was told me about money, Mississippi. Uh, they did at length. My grandmother would, I would sit at her knee when I was a little and she would tell me about, uh, her grandfather who was a, a slave. So I, I did get firsthand knowledge of what the system was, uh, how it how it worked. Uh, uh, we all say that uh, blacks are not uh, treated correctly in America, and they never have been. Uh, but here here's here's a you know you have to go into history in order to see why we are where we are today as far as uh, minority groups in, uh, in America. Jordan, do you have uh, any questions that you'd like to ask or, or any thoughts? Um, well, yeah, first off, I mean, that's, that's incredible to hear about, you know, uh, life, life story going up in, in, in some, you know, pretty, pretty historic areas. Um, but, you know, I, I, I would maybe like to, to touch on, um, what are your thoughts about how, you know, it, it, I, f- I feel like the movements nowadays are primarily youth-led. Um, so, so, Semester, if I can ask you, what, what, are your, what do you think of, you know, how the youth are trying to carry the civil, civil rights movement today? Well, you being a young person, uh, really have to get the history book out. And uh, as I mentioned, alluded to earlier, Emmett Till was the kickoff to Dr. King, and uh, uh, he came just a little bit after that. And then the the Montgomery bus boycott, and and, the, and then there was the march to Selma. Uh, the youth has always been the people who have to go into the fire of the future. I call it the fire of the future. You'll be going into the fire of, of now and the future. I'm older, so I'll be sunsetting. Uh, I'm not going to be here forever. So, uh, you know, uh, that that explains a lot of difference. But uh, in our time, we made tremendous progress. You got to remember that, uh, you know, we, you couldn't sit down at a lunch counter. You couldn't uh, eat where you wanted. And uh, if you went downtown in Chicago, we used to once in a while get dressed up in our Sunday best and go downtown. But there was always this little uh, thing of 
uh, funny looks and stares, like you didn't belong where where you were. Your generation will have to fight a different battle because the battle will always be there. Uh, from your marching today, you will now in a few weeks or months, you will get a backlash from the people who don't see it the way you see it. Uh, a backlash always comes. Barack Obama was the first black president. The fact that we have uh, the gentleman that's in the White House now is a di- re- direct result of having a black president. We've had 45 presidents. 44 of them have been Caucasian. None of them have been female. That is total injustice. The country is not built up on a just basis. Uh, it is built up on falsehoods quite a bit. Uh, it, it has the fortune of being a beautiful country. I've seen it from one end to the other. I've been in all but uh, 10 of the 50 states. Uh, and like I alluded to earlier, I've been around the world, so to speak. But your fight is not going to be exactly like ours. We, we fought in the great colleges and universities. Well, most of the colleges and universities are are basically integrated. But you had to fight for economic justice and women's uh, moving forward quite a bit. We should have a, a, a woman president. There's no reason we shouldn't. There's no reason we uh, shouldn't have a Hispanic president. That is if America lives up to uh, its creed. So uh, I think the people in the streets right now have uh, done a wonderful job and took a short time. What was your relationship with with uh, I'm just just saying what your relationship with the police back then? Is it fundamentally different than what we're seeing today? Uh, I know that they had beat cops that would be that you knew their names and who they were and they knew your story and stuff to some extent. But there seems to be like a turn and there seems to be a lot more. Uh, distancing from police, from the communities and, and stuff. What was your take on that? What, what's changed? What's changed is you already said some of it. When I was a kid, I knew, I knew, uh, I think there was an officer Vic that used to do the district in front of my aunt's house. And he would, he, he, if I did something wrong, he said, what are you doing out? Maybe I was out later than I should have been, or he saw me do something I shouldn't have been doing as he patrolled the neighborhood and he says, Hey, I'm going to tell your mom, don't let that happen again. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, we had that kind of relationship with police. We do not in any way, shape or form, uh, have that same type of relationship in the black neighborhoods across America. Uh, the police have become an occupying army. It is, it is and most black and brown people feel that way. Uh, we are not treated the same in the black and brown neighborhood as, as uh, the white community. Uh, I live still in a mixed neighborhood, predominantly white. So, uh, you know, there's respect. And, and here's, here's, here's the thing that my mom always taught me. If you don't see any white people where you are, it will always be substandard where you are. That's a, that's a lesson I learned at early, in early, as an early child. Uh, America is two countries. I read the current report. It was, I don't know you, if you want to look it up. It was, it, after the race riots, after Martin Luther King was killed in 1968, uh, Otto Kerner, who was the governor of Illinois at that point in time, he wrote the, uh, the Kerner report and it said America is two separate societies. 
and unequal societies. And, and that is what the way it has been. And uh, not enough white people know history. Uh, not enough black people know history. Not enough brown people know history. And you should know the history of other people, not just what you get from a U.S. history book in ninth grade. History is is uh, the story of where we have been, who we are, and where we're going. And it will always tell you what the future will be. It's a prediction of history will tell you, well, if this happened, it repeats itself. So it will happen again. Jordan, question? Um, no, but I, I do I do agree that, you know, we're we we are we are just chipping away at at at, at a rock that is that is huge that that is racism. Um and we do we have a long long way to go even though and, and I, but but it is very important to recognize how far we have come and uh I do definitely recognize that with with you know moving progressing past um you know segregation um even though there there may still be segregation, um, but not as in the extreme forms that we've seen um, in the past. Um, but but yeah, I definitely agree that uh, although we have a very long road ahead of us with with, with racism, I, I do not, um, which is unfortunate. I I don't see an end to racism. Um, I just I just don't. Um, but but it's also important to recognize how far we have come as as not only America but within inner communities and and the world overall. Um, but but there's still a lot of work to be done. Well, you know, <laughs> it's I, I got to tell this story real quick because this is something that that in my yeah. experience just never would would happen. Um, um, but due to Facebook and stuff, you get to hear some stories from folks. One happened to Jordan just the other day. His mom, who I've known for twenty years, uh, said that uh, uh, Jordan got pulled over. And he's been instructed, by the way, that's a really smart thing that your mom has you do, Jordan, which was to get on FaceTime to say, I've been pulled over by a cop. She was out of the house and to where he was within seven minutes. I hope she didn't break any laws to get there. But uh, that's that sort of thing. <laughs> that sort of fear that kids have today about the police, about getting stopped and not knowing what's going to happen. Was that, was it like that in the olden days? Oh, I say the olden days. Was it like that when you were young or is this a new phenomenon? Well, it's new because a lot of black people and minorities didn't have cars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good point. That, that part of it definitely is relatively uh, more recent uh, phenomenon. Uh, I know Jordan uh, said that he didn't believe that racism would never end. Uh, Nazis in Germany thought that the, the Nazi party would never uh, come to an end. You know, it was, but it was only about six or seven years uh, that it rained. It, racism can come to an end. Racism will come to an end. There will always be some, but at the degree we have it now, I think it will be like uh, the disease. It will slowly diminish. But there will always be yeah, some people that because of skin color uh, that other people are lesser. There will always be people who are, because of money, think that other people are lesser. There will always be people who 
because of gender will think other people are lesser. Uh, there will always be some people because of power think that some people are lesser. So, uh, you know, I'm just giving you the real. That's the real. Uh, you know, uh, to learn black history, every white person in America should have a course in, in black history. Every white person in America should sooner or later learn Native American history. Every uh-huh. white person in America should learn Asian history. Uh, this world, once you step out, and I've been to countries that are totally black. I've been to countries that are almost completely white. Uh, when you step out into the world, the world is made up of many different races, shades, creeds, religions, and it's like a soup. Everyone has something to contribute. And so basically, uh, I think if you, if you think about what I just said, that'll, that'll lead you in the right way of thinking about other people, the other. There is no other. We are all members of one race, the human race. Jordan, go ahead. I, I definitely agree. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, and yeah, I, I, I would very, we, we, we will be better. We will be better. And, you know, that's, that's something I've recognized as, you know, uh, primarily the youth, youth, it, it, it's, it's on our shoulders to, to, you know, continue to push that, push the envelope on that message as well, that we will be better. Um, so definitely, yeah. You know, it's, what, uh, it, it's your world. Uh, you're the future of America. Uh, America is at a crossroads. Which path will it take? Will it take a path not to uh, be a dictatorship or less than a democracy? Or will it go down the road of freedom and freedom of the press, freedom of religion, and live up to its creed? We're at a crossroads. Uh, there's some people who are trying to take us uh, the way of uh, communism and some of the other isms that, that have we have. Uh, I just got back from Cuba and... Uh, that's a communist country. Very different. It was very poor, but the people are very friendly and were wonderful the time that I stood that I was in Cuba on March 8th of last year. Uh, as you, and most people never are fortunate as I have been. I've never been rich, 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 but I've been fortunate enough to travel around the world and see not from the perspective of a book, but perspective of the world. I always say I'm a citizen of the world. I live in the United States, which is just one country amongst many. Uh, so when you get that perspective, it takes you away somewhat from local things, but local things are where you live. And you will, as you asked about the youth today, I think in the last, uh, since George Floyd, since the George Floyd incident, I think that, uh, what I've seen is something I thought I wouldn't see in my lifetime, to be frankly an awakening and an awakening and and there's nothing as strong as an ideal that time has come. So, uh, I look forward to you and your generation doing the work that you have to do. Uh, we did our work and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of proud of the old timers too, but you know, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not an older, uh, group of people against younger group of people. It's, it's people, that want the right thing done. It's not black and white. Right. It's wrong and right. 
Oh, that's very well said. Very well done, sir. Um, I, I have a, I have a question for you, both of you, and uh, I really would like your perspective on this because I, in looking around our country and looking at the people and the and the makeup of people, there is a group of people that are entirely too fearful about the future because we are becoming, and I've talked to Jordan about this in the past, we're becoming a much more blended society. There isn't going to be just white people and black people. They're going to be mixed races and intermarriages and stuff. And for the, and for some white people, that's very, very scary for them because they feel like they're losing their identity. Have either of you thought about that? First of all, am I correct in any way? Have either of you thought about that? And how can we as a people get over that stupidity? Well, for one, uh, my wife of 40 41 years is white. Now, I'm African-American. So definitely have thought about it. I have <laughs> you lived it. Grand, I have blended grandchildren. I have blended nieces. I have blended cousins. So, uh, yeah, that will happen in time. Human beings will and have always uh, been human beings. We do what we do. And uh, to put artificial barriers in front of that, it only is a temporary stopgap, and you. And here's the here's the kicker right on this: the fact that you got so wrapped up in skin color, melanin or not melanin, has caused pain to everyone involved. Moving away from that, the world will become a freer, much more wonderful place. There should be when a when a black child comes in this world, or a brown child comes in this world, or a white child comes in the world. We should, that should be a joyous thing and it should not infringe on anyone else that that's uh, in the future that the white child has more advantages than the brown or, or black child. That That is the thing that has kept us apart as, as, as members of the world society. Uh, it's a foolish notion. It, it would be like me saying, well, I'm black and uh, I think all Indians are terrible. Why would I do that? They are basically human beings. They have a different culture. They eat maybe different foods from me. They live in a different place. And they may dress differently from me. But they're human beings. And, you know, now let's get into why we are who we are as far as color. Color is an adaptation only to the climate that people live in. In other words, uh, if, if you live in a dark climate, you're more likely... Uh, or warm climate, uh, excuse me, a warm climate, you're more likely to be a dark person. If you live in a cold climate, you're likely to be a, a fair-skinned or white person. That is adaptation that nature gave you to the place that you originally are from. Now, people move about and on airplanes, trains, buses, cars, whatever, now. But back in the original situation years and years and thousands of years ago, we lived in different ways and people stayed in an area for a long period of time. Uh, black people don't get skin cancer as much as white people. Why? Because the melanin in the skin protects us from the sun's rays. That in the, in the creator's way of making everything adapted to its environment, a polar bear is white. You found in a cold climate up north. Uh, but uh, guess what? A brown bear, usually you find them in a dense forest, maybe very warm or temperate climate. 
that just go, uh, wood is the same way. Take it away from human beings. If you go to Canada, you get light woods, pine. If you go to the jungles, uh, some of the jungles of South America, Africa, you get teaks and mahogany, dark wood. So come on. It's, it's foolish to think that color is anything but color. Fish come in a million different colors. I would hate to think we we would come in that many colors. We'd all be, kill each other off. <laughs> so I mean, ignorance is, is is race is a concept of the of one's mind. That's what it is. The color of one's skin is just says, wait, well, hey, that guy might be from Africa or India, or that person may be from Norway or Denmark. That's it. No further. It doesn't mean more intelligent. It doesn't mean anything other than that. Uh, and so knowledge is power. When I feel that I'm a powerful person because I have the knowledge of the world inside of my head. Uh, you know, I've I traveled the world, so if you ask me what, what country that uh, would be uh, the capital of most countries in the world, I could tell you probably right off. You know, if you said I was in Lima, in Peru, the capital is Lima. You know, uh, so, you know, the capital of Denmark would be Copenhagen. So knowledge is power, but we have a lot of half-educated people in America. They don't really know what they think they know, and that shows up in the way the country is conducted. We would There would be no way an intelligent electorate would have voted for the person that's in the White House. If they looked at his background, if they looked at, at the things that he's done in the past, an intelligent elector would say, this man could not run the country. So, I mean, knowledge is power. I was always taught that knowledge is power. Uh, knowing my history, uh, I know that every time I eat a potato chip, a black man invented that. Uh, I know that every time I see a train go by and, the, and they join cars, a black man invented that. I know that black labor built the White House. I know that I'm so proud of my people. I don't know what to do. I'm proud. I would come back as a black person if I died tomorrow to come back. That that's the way I feel about my people. I don't want to be white. I want to be who God made me. My grandmother used to say, "God made made you, and He don't make no jump, boy." So <laughs> that's the way that's the way I look at it. And uh, you know that knowledge gives me a, a pride in myself. It gives me pride in the people that raised me and the people around me. In a pride in in, a, in in the racial group that I was born into. Uh, now, to say that someone else could tell me that I'm lesser than, well, I wouldn't know it's foolish. <laughs> is, it, is it foolish anything you can say? I'm not lesser than. Yeah. My racial group, my racial group has been pressed and depressed, and in spite of that, we got groups like uh, the Tuskegee Airmen. In World War II, when uh, people always said blacks weren't skilled enough to fly an airplane, in World War II, they were escorts to, pop, to to the bombers that flew over Europe to, to destroy Nazi Germany, and they never lost a plane that they escorted. There were white escorts before that, and they got chewed up. So look at the history book of, of uh, you know, and learn the, the history of other people. Um, the, the Indians are very smart people. They kind of on reservations now, and some of those reservations don't have water. But it's a fear of the white main society that keeps the problems in our society going. Uh, you talk about policemen. Policemen 
should have to have at least two to four years of college. No high school graduate would be a, a police in my world. It, they wouldn't do that because you need to take psychology. You need to be trained in, in, in uh, all kinds of areas that, that, that policemen, I don't think, they go to the academy for a minute or two and next thing they're on the street. You should also be checked. Just what, what is your background? Are you a member of the Klan or Antifa? Who, you, that all has been not being done. And so you put a person that may be a Ku Klux Klan member or a member of Antifa on the street and you have a problem because they will then act according to their belief system. So, you know, that that's something else that America needs to take a real good look at. How well educated are our policemen? We do need less policemen. We need more mental health workers. We need the people who keep the economy going. We need to pay people a fair and adjust wages. All these things need to be uh, taken up by your generation. Uh, the gentleman that was asking me, you're going to have to get, you know, Look at what happened uh, to our economy. The the wealth gap in America has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger as the big box stores buy up all the little stores. Uh, that is a problem. Uh, you So we're going to get to the point that we have three or four companies selling everything and can control everything. We're almost there now. The unions, when I was a kid, we're strong, and if, if they could bargain with the people that own the company, uh, the first step that the, that the big society took was to destroy the union, so the workers couldn't stick together for themselves. So there's many things. Uh, you you want to go into the justice system? Oh, we're going to come. Are, we're going to touch on that one in just a second. But I wanted to get Jordan's take. What Jordan? What did, did you have an answer for what for the question I posed? Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, you know, it's funny. I was talking. Uh, I was talking about this with a friend of mine the other day. Um, her name's Katie, uh, and we we were we were touching on you know everything that's going on with the world because how can you not talk about it at at, at a time like this? But um, I was just saying. I was like, you know, the typical American doesn't look anything like what we would think it does, or what we've been thought we've been taught to 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 imagine what a typical American looks like. Um, and you know, I, Seattle is not a very diverse place. Seattle is not a very diverse place. Um, but I was looking around and I was like, none of us look alike. You know, nobody in this area, I was walking around in Fremont. Um, but I was saying, no, but none of us look alike. And yet it, without saying, I would say the, the high percentage of us with, cause you don't want to assume everything, but everyone here is, is an American and you know, you're, we've been, we've been, we've been probed since day one to believe that the all American is a white male or the girl next door is a white female, either blonde or brunette hair, nice eyes, you know, uh, God fearing, um, you know, just like the perfect wholesome, um, all American. And that's not at all what Americans look like anymore. That's it. It's not at all what we look like. We, we wear, uh, hijabs and we have long hair and short hair and curly hair and long beards and, you know, are, are very pale or even albino or super dark and, 
you know, I, I, I was telling her how proud I am to be an American and to know that I, I am an American. Um, but e- even, even when the world, or not the world, but America, um, and, and some people who, who still live by the old values of America, uh, still believe that I'm not what, what the American, the typical American looks like. Um, and it's it, it, all of this is is so difficult to, to to dissect and go through, but I I just I, I feel that you know the America's not going to stop progressing forward. America's not going to stop becoming more diverse, um, and America was not built on good morals. Uh, like our past is is disgusting, and it is. It, it, it is just atrocious that, you know, people are saying, you know, stop looting, stop rioting, stop destroying when that's exactly how America was made. Stop, stop stealing. Well, that's exactly how America was made. You're telling us not to do things that our ancestors um, had done that, that our, our white ancestors have done. Um, and you're telling us that we're wrong and that we're savages. Um and I've said it already before that I don't agree with the looting and, and all that stuff, but I understand it. Um, but America's not going to stop progressing in, in the way of inviting others from different countries to make a life for themselves in America. That's what America is supposed to be for. It's supposed to allow everybody from other countries, if they need to seek refuge or if they want an opportunity at uh, possibly a better life, that they can do that here. Um, and they're going to do that here. And they're going to meet people from other places. And they're going to have kids. Um, and those kids are going to are gonna be beautiful. Oh, exactly. And I, I, I will I will tell you, just just because you said everybody looks different and, and uh, the, there's a wondrous variety of differences in us and body shapes, sizes. That's why God invented clothing, so we wouldn't have to look at them uh, and look at each other in that, in that respect. But... <laughs> <laughs> but but you you know because if if we were all walking around naked it would have a whole different meaning to how we all related to each other that's for sure i'm sure, uh, <laughs> uh, sure. some of the some of the reasons you know i think that we have racism uh and some of the things that all springs of racism is generally uh you know exploitation is one because of, you know, I always say that slaves uh, were black. They picked white cotton, which uh, turned money for the white landowners green. Uh, disrespect is another thing. If if you are disrespected, you automatically become resentful. Uh, justification. Many, many times I look at the, the situation in our courts or by law is we just, whites generally tend to justify wrongdoing. And that's the day, I mean, somebody gets shot in the back and the cops get off. And as we do that, you build resentment amongst the people. We know what's right. You know what's right. Now, doing it may be a different thing because there's certain advantages that accrue to people who do things by the gun and not by morals. Uh, this country was built by the gun. It was not built by a moral group of people. They were very immoral. 
Uh, and you have to look at it. This is the conversation America needs to have. Look in the mirror and the reflection that you see back as a white person most time, most time will be brutality, uh, explore, you know, exploitation, disrespect, justification, lies and hypocrisy. You know, uh, lies and hypocrisy come to, okay, uh, uh, all men are created equal and thou by their creators, okay? Uh, it, the, you know, and we yet we have slaves. And to justify that, what we do is say, oh, well, they're only three-fourths of a person. Well, who in the heck gave you the authority? I only think God in heaven is the only one that could give some, make a person, a whole person or whatever. So the white people do not have the authority to, to, to tell me I'm lesser. But we started the country on that because we felt guilty about we knew slavery was wrong, so we justified it. Uh, white people have fear. You know, when you do something to people, you always have a fear of those people coming back at you in different ways. Uh, in the South, I think uh, uh, my I was told stories of the cooks in the kitchen cooking and urinating in the, in the master's food. So he didn't know it. He didn't know it. And if you look at the, I don't know if you, any of you got the book or the the help. Uh, that lady <laughs> picks a pie that was not fit for human beings to consume. But <laughs> it, it yeah, but cool. it tasted good. He said, right, right. So, but now this is what happens when you disrespect people. They get back at you in so many ways, and uh, instead of them getting back at you, if you had not done what you had done, they would be helping you. A corporation that gives uh, its workers good wages and, and profit sharing and let them share in the profit, the workers are going to pretty much bust their butt for that corporation. One that gives them just the minimum, they, when the clock hits the time for them to get off or uh, maybe maybe they break a couple of car parts if they work with General Motors or some big company and uh, they put out sloppy work because, you know, I, I don't, why should I really care about them? They don't care about me. So, uh, you know, those are just some of the things that, that cause us to be where we are. You know, the disrespect, you know, the uh, exploitation, the brutality of police officers. And until we change each one of those, check those boxes off, the unfair justice system, you have to check each one of those boxes off and change it. Uh, I have never seen in the justice system uh, a white person being tried by a, a jury of mostly black and brown people, but we get that all wild jury concept all the time. These things are just wrong, and everybody knows they're wrong. And so at this point, I think we get an awakening. I don't know whether it's going to last. I'll pray it does. Uh, of your generation, the younger generation, that see it's wrong and now have the responsibility and have the ability to change it. You know, gentlemen, I, and I want to ask both of you this question because I saw I saw a documentary last night and uh, in preparation partly for this interview, but also because I was interested in seeing the content. And, you know, we talked about uh, segregation and and keeping people apart. And, and it seems to have cleared up a little bit in our justice system. That's just not the case. We have a predominantly larger number of people of color that are being um, incarcerated in this country than 
anywhere else in the world. We have two, I, I fell over when I heard this. We had 2.3 million people in prison in this country today. That's more than China. That's more than Russia. Okay, maybe they kill them, but, but we, we've got all these folks that, that and, and some of them are in jail forever for doing uh, a nonviolent criminal acts and, and the three strikes you're outlaw and all the, you know, the, the war against drugs and all this stuff, which was predominantly aimed at the African American community. And I, I was just appalled. And we have got to fix that as a society because it's not going to be something that's sustainable and it's not good for our people and then when you get out of prison you can't even be a full citizen because you can't vote you have to put down that you're a felon you can't get a good job you can't recover it's just as a never-ending cycle am i just a lunatic or do you i jordan you go first what do you think Uh, can you can you is there a, is there a question in there? No, just <laughs> just give me give me your thoughts on on the criminal justice system. What do you think? Um, I definitely think the criminal justice system needs to be reevaluated a hundred percent. Um, and right now it, it's a little it's it's frustrating because the goal overall is that everybody does. They, they they have the right mindset. They have the right they have the right idea, um, but we aren't meeting on certain things. Because um, so I've I've watched a lot of videos, especially of um, gentlemen going down and making videos about what's actually going down at the chop or the chaz. Um, um, and for those of you who don't know what the chop is, it is the Capitol Hill organized or organized or ongoing protest. Um, which, which is, uh, they took over the East precinct, I believe it was, um, but that's not 100% important. Um, but uh, it, it's it's so complicated, um, and it, it is it is very outlandish to say destroy it all, you know, just just destroy it all. Like that's what's that's the when I'm watching these videos, everybody is is saying. You know, the guy's asking, well, do you think they should get rid of jails? And then the person replies, absolutely, 100%. Get rid of jails. Get rid of police. Um, and whether they mean that or not, whether they believe that or not, we do, we obviously, we do need some sort of protection. Um, and I think overall, everything just needs to be reevaluated. Our, the foundation, foundation is huge for me. Foundation is huge for me. So the foundation of what we're built on, and I, I use this analogy, are tree roots. If your roots aren't thick and big and, and dug into the ground, that tree is bound to fall over. It is bound to crash and burn. It, 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 needs, it needs a squirrel on searching for a nut, and it will, it will topple the tree over. Um, and America, America's roots are, are crap. Are, are terrible excuse my language um but they you can say far worse than that if you'd like <laughs> but it, and it deserves far worse but um and if nobody if nobody can admit that to themselves or, or if you don't believe that as well um i think your your thoughts are very naive and i, I think you definitely need to reevaluate your 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 views on America because America is not built on 
uh, on good morals. Um, but there are a lot of good people in America. Um, so with that being said, um, we just, we need to be able to look ourselves in the eye and tell us, tell ourselves that I, 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 I really believe that it is, it is a, uh, ego thing. It's humbling ourselves. Um, and America's had issues with that forever because America is supposed to be this amazing, great thing. Um, and America is, is in different aspects, a wonderful place. Um, but even with that being said, you know, people have their flaws. Countries have their flaws. Um, and we need to be able to look ourselves in the eyes and, and say, America's not great. It never was great. But how can we be better? You know, instead of striving for, oh, I want to be this great or I want to be here, here, here. I think that's a very um, stationary, stationary mindset where it's like, okay, um, you know, we, 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 now we allow black people to, now we end the segregation. Cool. Oh, that was awesome. That's it. Awesome. Great. Segregation's over. But no, there's so much more, you know, um, like racism still exists. I'd rather I'd rather the mindset be, okay, we did this. Now how can we be better? How can we end the segregation? Okay, how can we be better? Um, well, now we have a black president. Awesome. So how can we be better? You know, continuously thinking, how can we be better? Because if you set an end date for yourself, like this is this will define how great I am, then you'll you'll never allow yourself to continue to be better. Um, you know, and that's the, I take that to the day I die. Like I'm always going to be con me personally. I'm always going to look at how can I be better? How can I be better? How can I be better? So, you know, at the end of the day, when, when my time has come and gone, you know, people can say, you know, he was this great. He was this great. And, and it's, it allows them to, to say, Oh, America was this great. Or we can look back your people in the future. will look back and say, well, America was, was was really great then but they even got it we got even better you know it's that mindset of continuously wanting to improve um that i really strive for and i know that was super long-winded but <laughs> now that's good sylvester what do you think uh i liked what the analogy was of uh, the, the tree with the squirrels in it because that's one of my things a tree does not grow from the top down the tree grows from the bottom up so, you know, mm -hmm. a country that that has everybody at the top and nobody at the bottom, there's no there's and uh there's no supporting uh, roots to hold that tree up. So he is as exactly on point there. Uh you know, basically we were founded on and you have to admit it lies and hypocrisy. Uh we enslave people we uh, have imprisoned people in America, and we have exploited people. And as you do that, you lose your moral compass. So now you end up with no moral compass. You may end up with a pocket full of money, but one who gained the world and loses their soul is still a, a miserable person. Money is not everything. Power is not everything. Treating humanity and other people, your fellow Americans, justly and fair, it has its reward. Uh, you know, we seem to think somehow or other that 
melanin or lack of melanin seem to control America, which is uh, the work of, uh, I can only say the devil's work. It's not correct. It's wrong. The country was built on it. And until the day comes when the sun comes in, up in the morning where we see each other as equals. And uh, I think a lot of white society has a problem seeing each other as equals because I got to be superior to you to be who I am. Uh, that that theory is what uh, we're fighting against every day. And, and as you fight it, uh, there will always, you win one battle and it's a war and then you go to the next battle and you know that the, the enemy is going to be right there with the, with the prejudice and the, uh, racism and the economic injustice and the, uh, you know, the gender inequality. Uh, you know, you look at America and we never had a woman president, but look at all the other countries that have England, Pakistan. Uh, you know, some South American countries, just a whole host of, so are we the most advanced society? I think America is, if it doesn't change its ways, will find itself at the bottom of the world's nations and not at the top. It, it, right after World War II, uh, you know, we rebuilt Europe. Um, I think it was the Marshall Plan, they call it the Marshall Plan. And uh, the General George C. Marshall, if I'm correct, <laughs> my, my mind has a, a lot of people in it, and sometimes I get names in it. <laughs> but uh, General George C. Marshall was, uh, you know, the uh, Allied commander. Not uh, He was, he, uh, like the Eisenhower reported to George Marshall, George Jesus' staff. Uh, and they rebuilt Europe. It was bombed out, blown up. It was a white society. And uh, black people asked for reparations, but uh, they found the money to rebuild Europe. Japan was rebuilt. MacArthur was sent to Japan after World War II and pretty much uh, was in charge of things that happened in the rebuilding of Japan. So it's, a, it's not a matter of not having the funds to do things. It's a matter of having the will having the moral gumption uh, to look at wrong and say, how can we right this wrong? And there's many wrongs that we have. Now, the thing is that that uh, real complex for most African-Americans and I imagine Mexican-Americans and Native Americans, they want to love America as much as a white person. I would like to see a policeman come down the street and mean exactly the same thing toward me as he would in any other uh, community. We want to love America, but America has had a hell of a time loving back. That's the problem. White people, and as he, you said a couple of times, we have to see ourselves. White America has to look in itself, see what it has done, the wreckage, the carnage that it's caused to be where it is today. And even today, we're not the, the most educated society. Look at the take a look at the list of, of different countries and how they rank. We have slipped, and we are still slipping. And if if you keep slipping, then you find yourself at the bottom, looking up instead of the top, looking down. 
That's that. That is so true. By the way, we are talking with Sylvester Boyd. He has written a couple of books, and I want to get the word out about these books because they are they're they're really cool. One of the first one was Road from Money: The Journey to Find Out Why, and that is Money uh, Mississippi, and uh, and it's a, really is a story of his aunt uh, when she was growing up in the uh, she was born I think in the teens, uh, like nineteen. 19- 13 or something and she she uh grew up through world war world war one world war two the depression and ended up doing very very well for herself and then the um, second book that uh, he's written is the road from money the journey continues and uh which is uh it's the second novel of a trilogy and the third book is coming out and sylvester will you come back on my podcast when you when the third book comes out i would love to have you back I certainly will. All you gotta do is uh, you have my emails. Just email me. I will. Uh, you, yeah. And you can find my books at www.boydbooks.net. www.boydbooks. Make sure you put the S on it. Dot net, and uh, you'll get all the information as to how to purchase uh, a, a, the book. Absolutely. Now, I want to turn to this because uh, uh, Jordan is an actor as well. Um, I just, I'll just i just name drop a few. Um, uh, Sylvester Boyd has been in Transformers 3, Batman and Superman, Shameless, The Boss, APB, uh, Electric Dreams, The Chai, Captive State, Widows, Crisis, The Exorcist. These are just some movies and and some tv shows uh chicago justice he's working as an extra right now on a couple of projects um you've done a tremendous and as, by the way if you go to if you go to uh, uh boydbooks.net you'll see his sh- shining face and you'll recognize him from being in the movie so i'd like you to guys i'd like you to take a couple of moments and give uh jordan um some because jordan is a very talented actor uh singer songwriter a dancer he's got a he's a triple threat all the way uh, give him some uh, um advice on how to proceed with his career well it, it depends on how determined you are because uh, you know there's a lot of and i hate to say it, starving actors uh fortunately i've been in the position of not having to depend on uh, background acting because it doesn't make me a great living but being a young person uh you got to pursue acting or whatever talent that you have singing or dancing uh, with just a blind faith in that you can do it. That that probably is the biggest thing. It'll take a few breaks along the way. Uh, Believe it or not, how I got into acting, you'll never believe it. Uh, I was walking down the street one day here in Chicago and uh, a gentleman came up to me and he says, uh, would you like to be in the movies? You know, then, you know, to me, you know, what's, what's wrong with this guy? This is some lunatic, you know, I mean, you don't usually hear somebody ask you. And, and so he, he gave me a flyer. He said, he didn't take long. He gave me a flyer. He says, uh, we need some people for a motion picture. And you go to this address, sign up and, uh, you know, sign your name. So I you know, the next day I, I didn't have anything to do. So I said, what the heck? Let me go over and see what this is about. It's probably just a waste of my time, but I got some time to waste today. Went over, filled out the, 
it was a whole lot of people there. I filled out a bunch of stuff. A lot of people were younger than me, older than me, and everything else. I said, I, that, that's a waste of my day. So driving back, I, you know, I stopped and had a little sandwich at the restaurant. Some said, well, at least I got a chance to go up north along the lake. Two weeks, two weeks later, the phone rang, and it was a, a movie company. And they said, uh, yeah, I Sylvester Ward, I said, yes. He said, well, are you the gentleman? Uh, did you, uh, we have your application here for a motion picture? And I told him, yes, I'm, I'm that gentleman. And she said, well, we have uh, selected you to be a, a security guard in the motion picture, The Dilemma. Well, it turns out The Dilemma was starring Vince Vaughn, Kevin James, Queen Latifah, uh, just a whole host of, uh, you know, uh, Renona Ryder, uh, Jen- Jennifer Connelly. So I started with yeah. the biggest, some of the biggest names right off the bat. That was the break. Uh, and it, sometimes it's just the little decision that you make. Had I not gone, I would, everything that followed would not have happened. So uh, sometimes a break just comes out of the sky, clear blue. But you got to, when you get the break, you got to be able to be prepared to take it and make it at that point. So from that, uh, I've been doing, you alluded to all the motion pictures. I'm done right now. I'm uh, waiting for the, uh, screen to light back up and the stages to be filled again. Um, I'm working on, uh, with Chris Rock. I think a lot of people may know who Chris Rock is. He's in the, in the motion picture Fargo. Um, I've done shameless, uh, uh, just a whole host of uh, movies. I mean, I'm going to go sit here and enumerate them all. But I think something like, I think I've done like 300 uh, different episodes of TV and uh, movies. Wow. So uh, incredible. Jordan, yeah. Jordan, do you have any questions that you have any questions you'd like to ask Sylvester? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would definitely say that everybody's path to, uh, to in this business is is very unique um as well but uh one question i do want to ask is do you feel and it will be different for for both of us because i i am a, a fairer skin of of an african-american man but um how, how do you feel the the discrimination in in television and film it, have you ever felt any any sort of discrimination or or, or um or how did you move past it if you have? Okay, the way I the way I deal with that, Jordan, I'll be honest with you. I was taught to be the best I could be in whatever I do. Uh, if you don't worry about other people, you can control one person on planet Earth, and that is you. What you think about, what you do, how you do it is what will make you go forward or hold you back. So, you know, don't, if you got a dream, pursue it. We only have a short time on earth. We don't live two and three and 400 years. So go for it. Now I'll tell anybody to always go for it. I've always went for the thing that I want. And, you know, I even left out of some of my back, some of my background, I ran a business for 20 years. So, you know, I taught school, I've loaded airplanes, but, yeah. Uh, you know, the the thing is that to go for it and to be the best you can be. And another thing I'll mention, you know, before we close out is that I was just awarded, uh, uh, an award for the best background actor close to the main actors. And 
and that was the first time they gave that in Chicago, along with some other awards. But it was like a mini Academy Award for background acting. So from that moment when the guy gave me that opportunity to the moment that I received that award, I tried to be the best. And uh, whatever you do, try to be the best. If you load an airplane, my, I always wanted my airplanes to go out on time. Uh, and I broke my neck to be the best guy on the ramp loading those airplanes, trying to get my plane out on time. Uh, you know, when I ran a business, I wanted to, my business to be, and my business really was, uh, I was an ad specialist. I know you mean that's t-shirts and printed bunk stickers, balloons and the like, and printed items. And I did business with Coors out of Golden, Colorado, McDonald's, Oak Brook, Illinois. At the time when, then I was in business, seven up was in Clayton, Missouri. And I traveled all over the, all over the country. And I just looked in a book one day and said, this is what I want to do. So, you know, life is what you make it to a degree. If it is to be, I always say to myself, it's up to me, not others. It's up to me. And I don't let race. I don't let economic. I don't let anything stop me from trying to be what I want to be. Uh, I'm a motivational speaker, and I guess you get some of that, too. But, <laughs> uh, you know, always go for it. You know, you never know how far you can go unless you take the first step toward it. Uh, you may be uh, like I was, you know, not thinking about a particular thing on a particular day. If somebody saw you and somebody heard you and uh, they say, hey, he's a great actor. I think this guy could be in the movie. Or you, 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 somebody that knows you could recommend you. But if you don't put yourself in a situation, the situation cannot move forward. Well, I have to. I have to tell you, uh, Jordan. Can I brag on you just a little bit? <laughs> if you like, Kevin. <laughs> uh, I, I, first of all, I've known Jordan's mom since he was three years old. But but recently, it was last year, just before he uh, uh, went down to L.A. to go to uh, acting school. He won a competition in Seattle and got to fly to New York City to participate with them over there. Jordan, I haven't <laughs> talked to you about that experience. What was that all like? Yes, sir. Um, just to give some background, that was uh, the August Wilson monologue competition. Um, and August Wilson is a black playwright. Um, he's written some some favorites, to, to name a few. The Piano Lesson, the piano lesson, uh, Jitney Fences, which which was a movie starring Viola Davis and Denzel Washington, which was also a play on Broadway starring Viola Davis and Denzel Washington. Um, but uh, I, I was yes, I was able to to win that competition competition here in Seattle. Um, I was able to fly to New York and perform on the August Wilson stage um, on Broadway, um, and that was an incredible experience. Yeah, you. I met so many uh, beautiful souls um, and intelligent, strong African American men and women um, who influenced uh, a lot of the way I, I I went about my work then, and a lot of the ways I go about my work now, um, and, and moved to perceive, you, you know, how I go about my work day by day, um, and it was just an incredible experience, not only to be surrounded by such a strong personnel, but to, to learn from them and to gain that sort of knowledge. Knowledge is incredibly important. Um, and, and I definitely cherish uh, everything they, they were giving me and just the experience of, of being there and, and doing what I was able to do. 
uh, it was it was absolutely incredible. Your mom tells me that there were several folks of of that have famous names, and I don't remember which ones, but came up to either her or you and said, "That kid's got talent. He's going places." <laughs> um, there, there's a gentleman who thinks Malik Yoba. Um, he's been in, he's been in, you know, the film and television industry for, for quite a long time. And, you know, I actually grew very close to him during my time there. Uh, and it was just, it was an incredible time to, to learn from him, um, and feel that personal collection connection. Um, and, and not only have that, you know, teacher, teacher, student, uh, relationships, but also feel, you know, a man to man relationship and, I, I feel it definitely helped me grow into the shoes um, that, you know, my own personal shoes that, you know, I set for myself and, you know, I, I want to keep striving for, for whatever I can be. Um, but yeah, learning from them and, you know, forming that relationship where not only seeing them as my mentor, but also uh, a potentially a co coworker, uh, a cast member, you know, um, mo transitioning from that, from that mindset of, oh my gosh, it's this person, it's that person. Um, but, but given that mindset doesn't, doesn't really go away because people are absolutely incredible. Um, but rather just seeing that and, and living in that, but also being like, okay, I'm working with this person. I'm, you know, how could we, how can we do this? They see, they see me as, as an equal. Um, they see me on an equal plane. They're, they're trying to work with, with me so we can be better. Um, rather than you know seeing them as you know this big godlike human being um and, and seeing each other as equals which was incredible and very cool to 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 work with boy i tell you sylvester that man over there that just talked he's 20 years old kind of makes me want to go back and do it all again you know because it's we're, <laughs> we're, we're looking at the downside and he's all upside so that's 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 really yeah, i don't know yeah. I don't know if I would want to do it all over again. It's, it's been a, it's been a great ride, and uh, I just hope it keeps going. But uh, he seems like he seems like a very uh, intelligent young man, and I think uh, you know, with the right breaks, you can always go places. You know, you got the world in front of you. Uh, you know, I got you got more of your life in front of you than I have in front of me. I'm pretty sure, and uh, you know, make the most out of it. Ride it. It, 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 it. Life is to be, to me, enjoyed. And there will be many things in your life that will make it not enjoyable. But it's up to you every time you get knocked down, pick yourself back up, dust yourself back off, and get back in the race. I would like to thank both of you gentlemen for coming on the show today. Um, again, uh, we've been talking with Sylvester Boyd. He is a author. He's an actor. He's done a lot of stuff in his life and he's just really, you know, just one really cool dude. And, uh, the other one, the other one is uh, Jordan, um, um, Davis Miller and he is an, a young actor. He's an activist. He is the future of this country, ladies and gentlemen. So I hope that you'll take the time to listen to him because I'm going to give them an opportunity right now. First of all, Jordan, and then uh, Sylvester to say something that's from your heart to our audience of something you really believe. Uh, I, yeah, thank you. Thank you again, Kevin, for having me on. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you um, immensely. Uh, but I, I would just like to say that, 
you know, moving forward in the world that we're 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 molding for ourselves today. Um, I, I please ask you to move forward, um, leading with your heart, um, leading with your mind, seeking to to understand, um, trying to gain more knowledge. Knowledge is power. I I think I think we we we've foregone that and and kind of got away from that idea where others in power have um, abused that. And I, I feel it's our job as um, people in America to to make America a better place for, for everybody um, from all walks of life. Um, so I just ask you to please keep keep educating yourselves um, and, and, and lead with your heart. Sylvester, the floor is yours. Okay, sir. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity today to be on your program. Uh, my thinking is that I would like to see America move away from color, race, and sexism. I would like to see America move to a day when it lives up to its motto that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I would like that to ring true and not just be words on a page because words on a page don't deliver anything. Truth and moving forward in a just way delivers a country that makes us who we say we are because not right now we are not who we say we are. We're a country that is divided. We're a country that uh, is uh, torn uh, in a hundred different ways. We should want as Americans to unite, to be one country, loved by its citizens, and uh, to move forward in that way. We should also think about uh, looking in history books of all cultures. I'm a historian, and uh, boy, history is a great thing. But you also read about the faults along the way. And hopefully, the white society, the bigger society, the, uh, in, in the most wealthy part of America, will take a look in the mirror and see where, the, where we've come from and where we're going. I appreciate both of you immensely. It's awesome to talk to you both. It's been great fun having you on the program. Uh, uh, Jordan, you're going to be, um, I'm going to call upon you often. And Sylvester, you and I have a date for August when that book comes out, because we are going to talk about that. And then we'd love to have you on again. So we're going to, we're going to do that. And to everybody else, you know, thank you very much for being part of the show today. And I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. These guys are pretty awesome. And uh, Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.